Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are continuing our series, Stories of Jesus, with two special guests and friends this morning. First, we're joined by the doctor, the one and only Sean Stover. Sean, thanks for being on the podcast. Love being here. Love being with you, Taylor, and our other Taylor guest. Yes. Spoiler alert. We have another special guest. Taylor Abaroa is in the house. Taylor, welcome back to the Conversations Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Let's jump in here, Sean. You had a great message on Sunday talking about the parable of the fig tree. Love to get your thoughts, as I usually do, to open it up by what were your thoughts of choosing this parable? Because you had a lot of different options as we continue through. One of the fun things about this series is it's kind of you get to pick and choose which parable. So what led you to this one? And what did you feel like God taught you in the process? So many great stories, so many great parables. I love, I really debated for a long time, though, a parable of the one where he, he gives out some talents to these guys, and then he takes off, the, the master does, and he comes back, and uh, and then he kind of sees what they did with those. I like that one. Obviously, I don't know all the details of it since I just gave you that really sketchy <laughs> summary. Um, so, but the fig tree is one that stuck with me for a long time because, uh, you know, as a counselor, as a therapist, trying to help people, um, trying to create change in my own life and in other people's lives, those three elements that get highlighted in that parable have just always meant a lot to me. So it was fun to go back to that and revisit it and think back through so many elements of it that are just significant in our life and mostly and most importantly to me that we have this advocate that's going to step in when the world comes to judge we've got an advocate that's going to step in and say hey wait and give us that pause so it's fun looking back at it. Yeah. Well, let's jump in and talk about that concept of healing, because I think depending on someone's background, maybe growing up in the church, they may have different ideas of what that word even means. And Sean, I thought you did a great job on Sunday talking about how, for those that think healing is this act of deliverance or this act of God, that, that is a part of it, but there's also a lot of part that we play in the healing process. So I'd love to hear just both of y'all's thoughts on what does that word mean? And then even what does that look like in the context of our, our spiritual lives and just even in the church? Yeah, one of my favorite attributes is of God is His kindness, and I think that part of that is that God gives us the a choice, and so you know we oftentimes, like Sean said, we ha- we all have issues, and we can get stuck in habits or hung up in different places and areas of our life, but God doesn't leave us there without a way to get out. And healing is part of that way, is He wants us to be as whole as we can on earth uh, before we graduate into heaven, and He does that through restoration and through healing of us. That can be physical, that can be mental, that can be emotional, spiritual, all the different ways He wants to heal us. Yeah, I agree with everything she's saying, and I also think that the healing process itself is part of our maturation, mm-hmm. that if he just fast-forwarded us through everything, we would miss out on some of the life lessons and some of the important connections we need with him in the journey. The passage always you know, kind of challenged me where it says that you know, we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and you know... It, it seems contradictory. Work out your salvation. What? What? You know, we're we're, sa- we're saved. God did that. Jesus did that. We did nothing to deserve that. There is no way we can earn our salvation. But this idea, as you translate that, of working out our translation, meaning, 
yeah, I'm working out our salvation. Sorry, meaning that you know, once we've been saved, we still get to, to continue this process, that sanctification process, where we're engaging in interaction with with the Lord to create continued healing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the passage here, we're going to look at Luke 13, this parable of the fig tree. There's kind of three key ingredients to this process of healing that we see. And uh, the first is going to be time as far as the, the servant comes in and says, sir, can you give it you know one more year? And then the second is truth, digging, digging in, understanding the root cause behind an issue. And then the three is this concept of grace, this fertilizer that comes in. Uh, before we jump into that, though, this first part here, I want to talk about judgment because you hit on this Sean, I think this is really mm-hmm. important. And again, just these common church terms, but I think are really important for us to define and even tap into just a little bit here because we see at the very beginning the the, the man comes in who sees this vineyard and he says, for three years now I've been coming to look for any fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up soil? So there's just there's even this like harshness you you called that out, Sean. Just this concept uh, concept of harshness, and I think for for many in the church they may feel that judgment from those around them, maybe from parents. Uh, you know, even themselves, as far as just this concept of judgment, how, how would you recommend us navigating just and maybe even acknowledging and understanding what judgment is and what judgment isn't? And then how would we just go about responding to it? Yeah, we've hit that a few times. It seems like in it's here at Cypress Creek over the last few months with this idea that there is uh, man, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So he's not here to condemn us, but there is conviction. And that conviction mm-hmm. is what God uses in our life to help let us see that there are places that need change or that need growth or need health or healing. And uh, so the distinction is incredibly important and condemnation brings death and it it is the opposite of health and healing. Whereas conviction, this realization that, wait a minute, okay, there is there hasn't been any fruit in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good observation to make. It's pretty important because without that observation, that tree's never going to mm-hmm. produce any fruit. Somebody had to be willing to, to make that accurate judgment. Now, it was harsh <laughs> the way that guy did it. And the fact that the caretaker stepped in was big. But there's also this realization that we need to do that. We do need to do self-assessment sometimes and go, wait a minute, I haven't been producing fruit Mm -hmm. for the Lord. I haven't been living life the way I want to. I haven't been doing relationships in a way that's fulfilling. And so that self-awareness piece and that being willing to acknowledge and look in the mirror, that's healthy. That's, That's not judgment. So there's a distinction there. Taylor, would you add anything to that? Yeah, I think that, you know, it is so important for us to be self-aware and to regularly check in on how we're doing. And, um, you know, oftentimes people have experienced or we've experienced that checking in from others to us with somebody else's journey or expectations. And so, you know, I really appreciate that it starts, the passage starts there because it's almost like then we get the ingredients of how to hold balance in doing just that, the assessing, the judgment, the checking in. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about those three ingredients. And uh, my thought here is that we'll, we'll unpack each one and then maybe talk about the significance because, Sean, you did a great job of sharing how we need all three. So we can't just camp out on on one of these. But I think if we unpack each individually, it'll help us kind of get to that that balance of the three. The first one being time. In this example, it's, it's giving uh, the fig tree a year, but uh, that could look 
different lengths of time. Um, I heard a few things you shared, I wrote down as far as things like time in of itself won't heal. So it oftentimes just continues to perpetuate an issue that's happening. But what is the significance? What does it practically look like to give time to either the healing process or the healing process even to others? What does that, we'll start there. Yeah, I think in this case, what it's referring to is is patience. It mm-hmm. is the rea- the reality that everything doesn't happen instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish time healed all wounds. I just got back from the dentist having my teeth cleaned, and uh, turns out my three year absence from going to the dentist <laughs> that amount of time did not make my teeth healthier, uh, and it did not produce the kind of results I wanted orally. Uh, so he reminded me I needed to be there every six months. Um, the reality is time by itself doesn't doesn't do it, but time is a factor in any change or any growth. And we seem to be increasingly engaged in a culture that wants things immediately, mm-hmm. that wants things instantly. And something gets missed and something gets lost. Even if some sort of change happens, it's probably not going to be the long lasting change that we desire if it happens too quickly. Mm-hmm. And all around us, our culture, you know, promotes the fast-paced life, the drive for success, and picking up your phone, you can find out any information you want in probably 0.5 seconds if you search correctly. And I think that what God does such a great job teaching us, because He is the ultimate teacher, is slow down slow down where we are and don't miss what he has for each one of us in the journey he's taking us on. We can get fixated on wanting to get to the end or the next step or um, the even what is the purpose of our lives. And really when we slow down, we see so much of that. And a big factor of that is time. I think Taylor, uh, Taylor, the female in the group here, uh, is, you know, now trained as a counselor and doing therapy um, professionally. And that that time is a big part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Just people taking the time to to come to your office and to spend that hour of time with you without distractions, without phones, Mm -hmm. and, and talk something out. And then knowing that that one time is not going to be enough, they're going to need <laughs> mm-hmm. to come back. And then, you know, maybe maybe they don't have to come every week. Maybe it's every couple of weeks, but there's an extended period of time they need to, to come to see you. Um, because over that time, things get unpacked mm-hmm. and realizations happen. I don't know. I just I think the therapy process is something that more people should engage in because it is a little slower and it does take some time. But it seems to work at God's pace. Mm-hmm. How to put you both on the spot here, but how do the two of you practice patience or just even when it comes to your own healing process and what y'all have gone through? What are just maybe some words of advice or encouragement you would have for people like me who have a hard time being patient just with anything in general, but just having this, because I think a lot of it just comes down to reminding, you know, the value of time. And I think that can be hard because like y'all said, our culture speaks against that. Well, I don't think you're the only one, Taylor, that has a hard time being patient. I think we all have a hard time being patient because we do want whatever it is that's next. And so I know for myself, I've kind of put some spiritual disciplines in place that help remind me of that. And so I have three different times in my day that work around breakfast, lunch, and dinner that I intentionally 
take a pause to just check in, check in with myself, connect to God. And really, it's probably about one minute of silence. It's not something magical or fancier than that, but I just pause and I focus on God and I pray and whatever comes to mind, I just acknowledge that God's there and I hand it over to God. And for me, that's been something that, you know, after you practice it, day after day after day, it kind of becomes your your skill and the trait that's in you. And that's just, you know, one way, but that's a practical way that I've done that. And you know what? Sometimes I forget and that's okay. I just move on and I do it again when I remember. That's a really powerful discipline, Taylor. I, for me, slowing down primarily involves the person that's across from me in that moment or on the phone with Mm -hmm. me in that moment, or even that I'm emailing in that moment. Am I willing to slow down and block everything out and just be present for Mm -hmm. that one person in that moment? And that's kind of my um, discipline around slowing down because between interactions with people, I'm running around pretty frantically and multitasking Mm -hmm. like a crazy man. One other extreme thing, Taylor, that somebody like you could do if you feel like you have a patience (laughs) issue is you could go with me to El Dorado, Texas, to the (laughs) ranch in West Texas, because they are 50 years behind us out there. (laughs) And they talk slower and they move slower. The internet works at a speed that's considerably slower. (laughs) So you know what? We could put you out there for a couple of days and just let that be your immersive experience if you want to change things up. Well, I'll think about that. I'll I'll take my time thinking about that. But even that speaks to the power of presence and being present where we are. The same with practicing pausing in my day. It's to bring me back Mm -hmm. to the present and to connect me with God. So I think, El Dorado or pause in your day. There you go. One. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. No, but I think just personally, I'll speak to something the two of y'all just talked on, but just even the value of other people in my life. I know I've had close friends before that have brought, just reminded me that this is a process in of itself and just given me a year or longer that I wasn't even giving myself and just mm-hmm. those expectations I had on myself. So I, I've just grown in that and appreciated that out of friendships that have said, hey, Taylor, this is a process. You're growing and even helping me see how God has grown me just even the last few years. And so it just kind of helps reset and go, oh yeah, you're right. Okay. I can slow down a little bit. So I've mm-hmm. seen that to be helpful here too. Okay. So the second part, as if that that was hard enough, <laughs> I almost wonder if it goes in order. Uh, then we have this concept of digging, this digging deep, getting under, finding the root cause of things. Uh, what would be the encouragement and the advice for those? Now you're getting Taylor and I excited. (laughs) This is therapy stuff right now. We got to dig in there and find out what what happened in your early childhood that caused you to behave in these crazy ways that you are. Mm -hmm. It just turns out, man, that our past impacts us. It Mm -hmm. influences us. And that the life experiences that we have shape who we end up being and how we respond to or react against what's going on in our lives. And So that digging around that the gardener does to try to expose the roots, it's interesting that that's the word. You know, we use that same terminology in Mm -hmm. our vernacular today. It's like we're going to dig around and expose whatever's at the root cause of what's Mm -hmm. going on in your life, whatever the issue is that you want healing or health around. And um, I just think it's important. I think we we like the shallow approach just like we like the quick approach. Mm -hmm. And the reality is the slow approach and the deep approach ultimately leads to that long-term change. Mm -hmm. And discovering what God has to say once we learn more of what is in 
inside of our hearts deep. What does God say about that? And I think it goes often correlates directly back where we started with healing Mm -hmm. and restoration. Let's talk about the value of relationships in this one too, as far as, uh, Sean, you mentioned the word shallow. I know it can be easier to stay shallow and just not dig into anything deep with someone Mm -hmm. else. I'm thinking of either in a context of a marriage or even the context with close friends or community group. Uh, maybe someone that's listening, they, they're yearning for depth in those relationships, and yet maybe for months or even years, it's kind of remained shallow. So so how, how do they take a step towards that depth when that could seem scary and risky mm-hmm. and just even unattainable? Yeah, it's hard to find those people, right, mm-hmm. that want to be deep people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the willingness and the desire to search those folks out. Um, and if you're that kind of person, you seem to attract those kind of people as well. So you probably want to start with that. Like, how do I become a deep person? Mm-hmm. You do that by sitting with the Lord, mm-hmm. I think, by resting in Him and communing with Him frequently in deep, significant ways. As you do that, you become safer really, because you know yourself better, you know your Lord and your maker better. And so you become a safer person and the safer you are, the more you're going to attract those people who are ready to go and want to go deeper. Mm-hmm. And I think from there, you have to take a risk of being willing to you yourself be appropriately vulnerable and share in depth Um, Because somebody has to take the first step, and oftentimes we have to overcome the fear or the riskiness that that may kind of strike inside of us to open up, to share, to encourage. We've talked about this role of the culture in this whole process. I think one area the culture plays with this particular piece is just this concept of either uh, avoiding or spinning things mm-hmm. or just rationalizing behaviors or, or parts of our past. And I think the reality of that is because this is hard stuff. And as you dig, you're going to come across, Sean, like you said, really hard truths about either your past or about just the way you've, you've kind of grown up or been wired. And I feel like the enemy definitely wants to move in in that space. So even for someone that's taking time, setting it aside, putting in the hard work, there's still just this other aspect of this where the enemy is going to be trying to stir up all kinds of lies about you. So how have the two of you navigated that process or would even encourage those that are maybe right in the middle of that right now? Well, that's why it says truth and truth ultimately comes from the Lord. There is only one absolute truth and it's God's truth. It's God's word. It's God's Holy Spirit speaking truth into our lives. And uh, that's what's hard. The enemy's going to try to whisper lies. Our culture's going to twist truth to their you know, liking. Re- cultural relativism is, is a real thing. And so for us to go back to God's, God's word, what does it say about mm-hmm. this, this thing that I'm wrestling with? What does God say about me and, how, and who I am? What, is, what did God think about what happened to me you know, earlier in my life, in the experiences I had. And what's the truth around that? It's his truth that will ultimately set us free. And it's walking in his truth that frees us to really experience Mm -hmm. the blessing in our lives. Mm -hmm. And receiving it. You know, I think of Mary and how the verse that says, and she stored those things in our heart. I think that oftentimes when we encounter God's truth, 
we have to really store them in our hearts. We have to keep them with us. We have to remind ourselves of them. We have to remember what they are because in our instant culture, in our fast culture, we can get caught up and slowly but surely or quickly be swept away and then we've lost the, the truth again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're, we're going to kind of get into this towards this last part here, this concept of fertilizer and grace. Mm-hmm. Sean, you, you mentioned how there, there's plenty of church history that's kind of camped out in this truth category that believes, okay, if they only just have truth, that will bring out the healing. And you talked about the damage that that can cause. Uh, what, what would be some messages that you would have for someone that has experienced that, particularly by the church that has experienced uh, either condemnation or, or guilt or just that 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 overemphasis on truth when it comes to healing. Yeah, thankfully there are healthy church environments, healthy community groups, and healthy people now that understand that it's grace mm-hmm. and truth in combination that ultimately create the loving environment for healing. And uh, sadly, we do have a significant history, you know, as a church of being judgmental. But I will tell you, man, in the last 20 years, we've got we've got just as powerful a history of leaving truth at the curb and being completely grace based. And that's honestly just as scary. Mm -hmm. And we've got a lot of people, probably more people, Taylor, that are experiencing that, that Mm -hmm. have that see the church and see God as an all grace, all mercy, no truth, God unconditionally accepting God. And I've probably said this numerous times, but God is not unconditionally accepting. That's a lie. The only reason we're accepted by God is because he looks at us through the blood of Jesus, through the death of his son. And because of his son's sacrifice, we're acceptable and we're able to enter into his presence. But he doesn't unconditionally accept our sin. But that's what a lot of people believe God is or should do or a grace-based church should be. And... um it's really hard for me to talk about either of these in the absence of the other because mm-hmm. they're so important together, the grace and the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if I was to put a picture on it for us, it's almost like a boat with these different anchors that are holding the boat down. And when you take up one of the anchors of the boat, the boat may stay there for a little while, but it's going to be a lot rockier and tossed about in the sea. And so when we can hold both grace and truth hand in hand, anchored in Christ over time, we end up finding a lot more fulfillment. We find a lot more purpose. We find a lot more enjoyment and um, a lot closer to God using the tools that He's already given us. When we talk about this concept of truth, how do we, this may be a whole nother podcast of itself, but uh, how do we discern truth? Because I think that may be hard too, as far as you open up the Bible to any random page, especially towards in the Old Testament, you, you got some pretty uh, confusing truths in there. So how do the two of you navigate, okay, when we talk about this idea of grace and truth, we may have the grace side down, but what, what does even just the truth then look like just based on kind of the experience you've had? I think that that truth comes through the Word of God and in right interpretation of that, and that comes with maturity. That comes with just spending more time with the Lord and a longer relationship with Him. And as we're early in our faith, we're not supposed to do this by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need we need people that are further along in the journey to come alongside us and mentor us or counsel us or lead us or you know even be in our community groups that we look up to. And so it's it's okay to. Reach reach out. It's necessary to reach out to find other people who maybe have a more 
wide breadth of experience with God and the Gospels so that, so that those individual passages you do pull out mm-hmm. can be interpreted in the context of the bigger picture. Um, it doesn't contradict itself. The Bible doesn't if you, mm-hmm. if you understand the totality of it. But in the moment, if you just pull something out, it can be really dangerous. Yeah, and God's not a God of confusion. And so when we are reading His Word or spending time with Him and confusion enters the picture, that's a signal for us to investigate what's going on under the surface or what are we not understanding? What are we lacking understanding? And and so, you know, one, we go to God with that. And two, like Sean said, pull somebody else in, pull in a community group leader, pull in someone that's a few steps ahead of you, someone that's safe and trustworthy, and you see fruit in their lives and their journey with God on how to live it out. This, this last part here about the fertilizer, I think one of the things, Sean, you did a great job talking about this too, about independence and we're on Independence Day weekend and, you know, just even how there, there's one thing to celebrate that for a nation and in a government and as a citizen, but then pulling that in, as I know I often do in my personal relationship with God or with other people, it's like, I, I got it. I, I don't need help. And yet this example here, this parable Jesus is teaching us is that healing requires outside help and requires that fertilizer, requires someone to come in and tend to us two kind of things that you highlighted sean was a trusted counselor and a community group and just the value that both of those play so i don't want to go without asking y'all practically what does that look like how can someone that's maybe seeking that out at what point do they know okay it's time for me to go pursue a trusted counselor and then what would the process y'all recommend uh looking like yeah henry cloud uses this metaphor that i really like he says if you cut your finger off uh, you wouldn't go put it in a drawer and pray over the drawer, <laughs> maybe even lay your Bible in the drawer with it and just, man, be like, Lord, I hope that please pray. I pray that that finger would get healed. You know, you reconnect that finger to the body and then you allow the body to fight the infection and do the things that it needs to bring healing. We're the same way as people. You know, when we get into a difficult situation, our tendency is to want to withdraw and isolate and become hyper independent Mm -hmm. and we pull away from the body. And that's not how healing was designed to happen for us. We were designed to live in fellowship and be plugged in. And uh, man, the simple answer to your question is when do you need to reach out to other people is when you're awake. I mean, we all need, to, we just do. We need to reach out to other people. We need to have other people in our life for encouragement, for accountability, for counsel, um, just for support sometimes. And I love that this church really cares about the health of the people in the church mm-hmm. to the point that we're not going to hide, you know, issues. We're not going to hide the fact that there there's brokenness and there's mm-hmm. there's sin in the world that's beating the snot out of us. And we're going to do everything in our power to create avenues, whether that's pastoral counseling or counseling triage or counseling referrals to to trusted resources or step study recovery groups or or prayer ministry team opportunities to get additional counseling there. I mean, the list could go on and on, but there are so many ways that CCC has decided we're going to step in and help people that are hurting. Mm -hmm. And I would just encourage people to be brave enough and bold enough Mm -hmm. to take the step. Yeah, it does require courage to take that first step. And once you get there, not to be scared off by the process. 
because it is a process and it does take time and we have to implement truth and we have to receive and show grace. And so knowing that it's just as important to take that first step as it is to stay the course and where God is leading you. That's good. And then this last part here, just about community groups and the value of community groups. I think it's neat because Sean, you talked about both the idea of receiving just these kind of values and these kind of core concepts that you could get from a community group, but also for us to play a part in this for other people that we get a chance Mm -hmm. to be a trusted counselor for someone else. We get a chance to be uh, just a valuable member of a community group to do this. I want to circle back to something you said earlier, Sean, even when it came to depth, but what's the value in just pursuing health individually And how have you seen that then impact those around a healthy person? Well, I think we're talking about two concepts here in a bunch of different ways. But one dependence on God is we are made to be dependent on God. And we should be going fully to God with all the things in our lives. And we are made to be in relationship with people and with others. And so... I think Shani said it really well that when we as an individual get healthier and healthier, we create more safety around us. And the world is looking for safe people and looking for places to connect into where they feel protected and they feel safe and they feel like they can walk out their healing journey. And so community groups are a great way for that to happen and pursuing individual health needs to be a starting point. I would love to ask or give y'all both the last word here. I know this is a concept and topic near and dear to both of y'all's hearts. So what would be just some parting uh, thoughts and maybe just some wisdom and encouragement you have just for those listening? I think I may have already shared what comes to mind, but I, wherever you are, I think it's taking off those lenses of judgment of self and others and becoming dependent on God, and then navigating what is your next step? What is the next move that you need to make, whether that's for individual health, whether that then flows into your family? Is it finding a trusted counselor? Is it plugging in and committing to a community group? Um, Is it implementing spiritual disciplines? We could go on and on and on, Um, but it needs to start with the the judgment and the self-awareness piece in order to know where to go. Yeah, Taylor and I think a lot alike on this. I agree completely. The self-awareness is necessary. You look in the mirror, evaluate, where am I living less wholeheartedly than Mm -hmm. I would like to? And then the next step is to decide, am I going to harden my heart around this and put my head down and keep going this way? Or am I going to have the godly sorrow that says, I I feel broken here and Mm -hmm. I need help? And uh, if you take that step, if you if you understand what's going on in your life, and you just have this godly sorrow and broken repentance, he'll 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 use his grace to create the steps you need for healing after that. So that's what I would encourage people to do. Thanks for listening to the Conversations podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. See you back for the next conversation.